Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, Doreen Virtue is going to join me. And together, we're going to talk about this upcoming concert with Shane and Shane, uh, October 23rd. Uh, they're going to be playing with Phil Wickham, Brandon Lake, Brian and Jen Johnson, uh, and John Riddick. And what we're going to talk about on this episode, we're going to talk about the theology of men like Brandon Lake and Jen Johnson, and even broader Shane and Shane's involvement with Bethel Church and Elevation and and much more. But make no mistake about it, as you'll hear me talk about in this episode, uh, this is not a personal attack. Uh, there is actual evidence, as you're about to hear or watch on the screen, if you watch the video, um, as Doreen will talk with you through the what this evidence is and why it's important. And then throughout the episode, we're going to have a conversation on the theological, the biblical and theological framework for discernment, as well as a plan for discernment that can help every single Christian, no matter your maturity level or theological development. So let's get started with today's episode. Uh, Doreen, please take it away. Let's talk about Shane and Shane, because a lot of people are understandably upset that they have chosen to partner with Bethel Music. But in this video, we will talk not only about why that's a problem, but to show you that this is a pattern that has been going on with Shane and Shane tragically for a number of years. In February of 2014, Shane and Shane launched a fundraiser through Kickstarter to create a website called the Worship Initiative Project, which was supposed to be this online resource of Christian worship leaders, worship bands to feature the songs, uh, the instructions, how to play the songs, and even devotionals related to the songs. Unfortunately, the Worship Initiative features false teachers, such as Bethel Music, as you'll see here is a song by Bill Johnson, songs by Stephen Furtick, and songs from his band, Elevation Worship. We can see the song that has been largely panned by theologians, Reckless Love, because of its very blasphemous theology, is on the Worship Initiative Project by Shane and Shane. And it even has a devotional, which is really scary. Because how do you present a devotional for a song that misrepresents the gospel as being reckless? A recent study found that of the 38 worship songs that appeared on the Christian Copyright Licensing International and Praise Charts Top 25 list, that 37 out of 38 of these songs were either written or popularized by one of five megachurches, including Bethel, Hillsong, and Elevation. We have several videos that are linked in the description below about why Bethel is a false teaching institution. It is actually new age and presents a false gospel. 
As you can see from this chart from Christ is the Cure by Nick Campbell, Bethel is dangerous because of dishonesty from leadership. It's been dishonest about various practices such as grave soaking, where members, including the late Benny Johnson, wife of the president of Bethel Church, uh, you can see her here soaking on a grave. They, they believe that they can soak up what they call the mantle or the cloak of deceased um, Pentecostal leaders such as William Branham. And they've also been dishonest about their use of tarot cards. They, they say they're not tarot cards, but they are oracle cards, and they use them for divination and call it evangelicalism, even though the people doing it are not allowed to say the name of Jesus or the Holy Spirit and such. They've been dishonest about that. They've been dishonest about using glitter to come through the air conditioner vent and call it glory cloud, call it the Shekinah glory. Uh, the leadership has been openly pulling from the new age. I've covered this in a number of videos, um, but you can look at their book. I wouldn't recommend it, but if you're a researcher, look at their book, Physics of Heaven. They've openly admitted to pulling from the new age. They even accuse the new age of stealing from Christianity, which is insane and not true, not biblical. Uh, we know that Bill Johnson changes the gospel. Bill Johnson claims that if you don't teach that it's always God's will to heal or that God causes sickness or allows for it, then you preach a different gospel. You can see a screenshot here. Bethel also changes the nature of God by making man more sovereign than God. They acknowledge that God is in charge, but they say he's not in control and that he has left us in control. Failure to clarify is another issue when they've been confronted with these examples. The leadership attacks the person who is rebuking and calls us Pharisees and says that we have a religious spirit instead of having a mature discussion. We also know that they minimize the Bible. Uh, they don't see it as all sufficient, and they utilize the heretical book called The Passion, which is marketed as a Bible translation, but which is really one man's opinion. We'll put a link in the description below of a video that we made about the passion and why it is something to be completely avoided. And it's definitely not the Bible. Joining me today to talk about these issues with Shane and Shane partnering with Bethel and other false teachers is our good friend and theologian and author, Dave Jenkins, the executive director of Servants of Grace. You can find the links to his materials in the video description below, as well as his podcast, Calling Out Bethel for its Apostasy. Dave, thanks so much for joining me today to talk about this issue. And from what I understand, you are actually a fan of Shane and Shane music. Is that correct? I am a fan. I am a fan. And, you know, um, I I appreciate, you know, at the outset, I'll say it this way. This isn't a personal attack against Shane and Shane. There's a lot to appreciate about the, the songs that they've sung, um, the way in which, you know, they've tried to be faithful to the Bible and that they've tried to, you know, serve the local church. Um, what we just saw, though, is deeply, deeply concerning. It shows uh, a pattern, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And it's so important to say that because I know growing up in the church that when you appreciate somebody, um, it can be hard to hear any criticism about them. But make no mistake, what you just saw on the screen, if you watch the video, 
or if you're hearing Doreen talk about it, it is absolutely true. Um, the evidence is there, and we have to go with the evidence. We have to speak the truth in love. And so that is absolutely 100% truth that you just heard from Doreen. Um, in fact, uh, a lot of that, as and a lot of stuff that you just saw is stuff that Doreen and I found on the internet. And so uh, you know that I also saw it as well. What this shows is it shows a lack of discernment. Um, because Bethel, as we've talked about on this show, as you just heard Doreen talk about as well, we've talked about Bethel many times now, um, how their theology, it goes against the Bible, and it goes against what the church has taught. In fact, to give you some examples, we talked with uh, Richard Moore about on Equipping and Grace about examples of Bethel's divergent theology. Um, that's the episode title. The other one is The Dangers of Bethel and the NAR Movement with Holly Pivick. We've talked about the influence of the NAR on Christianity with Doug Guyvett and Holly Pivick as well. We've talked about the marks of the New Apostolic Reformation with Don Hill. Um, so the example, as Doreen mentioned in the introduction, is that we're talking about this upcoming conference, October 23rd from 5.30 p.m. at Red Rock with Phil Wickham, Brandon Lake, Brian and Jen Johnson, John Riddick, which you're going to be able to see in the screenshot right now. Brian Johnson is the president of Bethel Music. Jen Johnson is a worship pastor at Bethel Church in Reading. Phil Wickham is a well-known Christian musician. Brandon Lake is a musician, a songwriter, and a worship pastor at Seacoast Church in Charleston, South Carolina. So one example that I found of her, and this is a transcript of this actual video of her talking. The video is called The, Hol in the Holy Spirit is a Sneaky Blue Genie. I'm going to put a little uh, graphic here so that you can see her words as well. Um, she says, yeah, okay. And this, this will kind of probably offend you, but I'm going to say it. And the Holy Spirit to me is like the genie from Aladdin. I view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin. And he's blue, unplanned, perfect, and he's funny, and he's sneaky, and he's courageous, and he's everywhere. And he's wonderful. That's who he is to me. And he's funny. He's sneaky. He's silly. He's wonderful. And I view him like the genie from Aladdin. I don't know where in my life that just kind of like came up, but maybe when I was like um, 10, I don't know. But because he's there, you know, and he's he's the helper. And he's always just supportive and comforting and he's fun and he's blue. Okay, hold on. Good point. Good color. And the video ends. Um, Brandon Lake uh, teaches, uh, act, teaches people actively to activate prophetic teaching. This is a teaching that he gave at Bethel Worship U, December 5th, 2019. And he's teaching people, and I'll put a little screenshot of his words. He's teaching people that it's very easy to manipulate a room in engaging in worship rather than acting based off of what God tells you to do. Brandon Lake tells students at Bethel Church in Redding, California in a recent video. So how can we tell the difference between whether we're moving out of our fleshly desires or moving out of the prompting of the Holy Spirit? And for Lake, he answers, for, for me, it's actually like a burning sensation. I know... Um, it's God, when I go, I can't shake this. I've got to sing it out. I've got to speak to this person. Now, Lake confesses in the video to manipulating his staff at one point, using an imagined prophetic song, something he now realizes that he was wrong to do. And he uses his own failing and his example of the charismatic church cannot allow itself to do when he says this. 
I was with my staff and I was super frustrated, he says. There was such little response in the room and you're you're like pouring your heart out and you're like, let's go. And no one's lifting their hands. And so then I just slipped into this little disguise as a prophetic chorus. God, help us lift our hands to you. Help us wake up. And then I was just kind of like manipulating my staff. That message was something I could have said, but like to disguise in the form of a prophetic song. Now, honestly, that was my flesh speaking and singing, he says. It wasn't God. So just be careful that you don't want to manipulate a room. Lake also emphasized the importance of practicing speaking prophetically outside of the worship scene so that we can be better equipped to spontaneously lead that way on stage. And he shares a story of how a stranger at a gas station walked up to him, prophetically speak over him and said, you're a man of God and I know you're going to write songs and travel the nations. And so he says, it's really important that when we see someone something on going on in someone's life, say it. You never know how big of an impact it can make on them. So here's one thing that I, now that we've kind of gone through that, we understand who they are and all those things. This this next point that I'm going to make is really, really important. Um, and then we'll bring drop Doreen back in. But the thing that I've learned in, in now in a couple of years of really studying this is it's like when uh, a well-known ministry, let's say Ligonier, they have somebody write them, write for them, or they have them at their conference. They're giving uh, essentially, and I'm not speaking for anybody at Ligonier, but they're giving a rubber stamp. They're saying that person is okay. That person is okay to listen to. They have sound doctrine. They have sound teaching, especially if they become a teaching fellow at Ligonier. The same is true with Bethel, but it's as we've already seen and as i've already we've i've been talking about now here what's so dangerous about this is that their doctrine goes against the bible and it goes against what the church has taught that's where the concern is with shane and shane working with bethel so closely and look, discovering that and i knew about this that they have been um singing song some songs i knew about i didn't know the brevity or the depth of the of the amount of songs that they have actively promoted through you know their work but the point that i'm making is that in the bethel world in the new apostolic world these people are all about an experience and so you see book after book after book being promoted and even even the you know we won't even call it a translation we can't even call it a paraphrase at best we could call the passion translation a book okay and not a good book. But everything is about the latest book, the latest teaching from the leaders. And so for Shane and Shane to be aligned with them in the way that they are, it shows, I'll say, a very concerning pattern of failing to be discerning. And also what they Shane and Shane needs to understand is that these people rubber stamp, ru them rubber stamping Shane and Shane or any musician or artist, it gives the impression then that that artist approves of the theology and the theology is all bad, 100% bad. In fact, the more I have to be honest, the more that I learn about this theology and I, I continue to learn a lot about it, um, it's bad. It's really bad. It's heretical. And I don't use the word heresy lightly. Anybody who knows me knows that I do not throw around the term heresy. Her error is anything that goes against the Bible. Heresy is those things that goes against the Bible and it goes against the church, simply put. And 
what these guys teach, they teach anti-gospel doctrine. They have their own translation. Think like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, same kind of situation. They've changed, they've changed fundamental um, orthodox doctrine to suit their doctrine. We've talked about the deliverance ministry. We're going to keep talking about that. Um, but, but we, the reason that this is so, uh, vital to understand is when the, when Bethel or a new apostolic leader gives that rubber stamp, um, pe- what people in the, that movement think is their views are okay. They're okay. They, they support us. And so they rubber stamp r- when they rubber stamp that person. That is absolutely dangerous. And it's so dangerous because Shane and Shane is, um, you know, in this, uh, their announcement of this, so many people that appreciate their music were deeply concerned about this. And they should be. You should be um, c- deeply concerned about this. Again, this isn't a personal attack. These are facts. Facts are friends. These are facts that you can verify. You can, you can attack me until you're blue in the face. But if you don't want to deal with the facts, then don't at me. Don't come at me. You can agree, disagree with me all you want but the facts are the facts the facts are i'll even say it this way doreen and i work on these videos together we're constantly sharing things back and forth and and so the evidence is is there and we're doing this out of love because we're concerned not only for shane and shane we're concerned for those who follow and listen to their music um for example there's multiple songs that i didn't even know i thought that that shane and shane and had written them, one being the goodness of God. Um, that song I learned in the last week or so, uh, that's written by Jen Johnson. I, I can no longer listen to that song. Um, I will not. Um, if I'm going to be consistent, which speaking out against false teachers means you better be consistent. <laughs> um, it, it means that I can't listen to that song. It means I can't listen to a lot of the songs that I once enjoyed because those, those listens through Spotify um, they show that I support the, the support the music that feeds their revenue, it feeds their stream. And if people see that I'm listening to that and talking about, I'm talking out of both ends of my mouth. Um, and so the concern is real here um, because some people think, you know, it doesn't matter what songs I sing, what things I hear or whatever, but it really does matter because uh, what you put into your ears um the teaching that you hear, it really matters because scripture, as we'll talk about today, uh, teaches in First Thessalonians 5.21 to test all things and to hold fast to what is good. Um, that means everything is to be, everything is to be put through the grid of the Bible, um, including the sermon that you hear, the news that you consume, all of it. Yeah. yeah. The music we listen to is incredibly important to be discerning about as you've been so stating dave and and i just want to say i i've not listened to shane and shane i have a pretty narrow playlist that's uh, from refnet radio artists and the gettys and and uh, our hymn book at church so i i'm sure i've heard them i've heard popular so-called christian music but just kind of to back up i'm a church history nerd. I love church history. And if you go back to one of the first heresies, Arianism, from this heretic named Arius, who proposed that Jesus was not eternal, that he was a created being by God. And that absolutely is not true or biblical at all. And so there was a church father named Athanasius who was 
going head to head with Arius. Well, did you know that Arius actually created musical jingles to popularize the heresy of Arianism? So it went in people's heads to believe that Jesus was a created being. And that's what music does. It also, as you've been saying, rubber stamping, I call it a fishing pole of marketing. Um, When Michael and I were first saved out of the new age, praise the Lord, we were listening to Hillsong, which is similar to Bethel. It's a a, a prosperity, false gospel church. It's been riddled with a lot of um, lack of ethics and, and just things that should not happen in any kind of church. But we listened to the music and we were booked. This was uh, before I was saved, I was booked to speak in Australia and I, and, and we had to go. And so I just said, well, I'm going to share the gospel instead of new age things at this, this event I went to. Uh, and I was able to praise the Lord, but we wanted to find a church to attend because we would be there during the weekend. We, we don't like to skip church on Sundays. So we thought, well, let's just go to Hillsong Church while we're in Australia because we like their music. That was the reason we went to their church. And by the grace of God, we knew enough about the Bible, even though we were new Christians, to know that what Brian Houston and his wife uh, were teaching that night was shocking. Our jaws were on the ground. It was so unbiblical. Uh, So we never, of course, went back and we stopped listening to the music. But there was a lot of people in that room that seemed hypnotized. Because it was like a full-on rock concert of of music. I mean, it was more well-produced than some of the professional concerts I've gone to at concert halls. And that's how Bethel music is, too. And as we said at the top of the show, the, the top songs that are called Christians that churches are still using, even though we've been warning for a couple of years now about the dangers of listening to and playing Bethel music, amongst them paying a licensing fee that helps Bethel to grow their empire. The new apostolic reformation holds to the seven mountain mandate, which means that they're trying to infiltrate different factions of society, including government and the media and the music. And so they've been very open that they are trying to infiltrate music, these new apostolic reformation churches like Bethel, as a way of influencing, as a way of growing their uh, congregation numbers. They're, they're not being secretive about this, in other words. So it's not neutral to listen to Bethel. And we pray, like you said, that uh, the, the members of Shane and Shane will hear. All, there's a lot of us calling them out. And we pray that they would be convicted by the Holy Spirit and w- it would be received on a soft heart and they would repent. I know it's not easy to repent to the whole world that you were wrong. I did it. I still do it. And I also know from their worship initiative project, website that has all these false teachers, there's probably a lot of money involved because to even look at parts of the website, you have to pay and subscribe. And and so to walk away from a very lucrative business operation like that, and it probably has partners and investors, that's got a lot of different moving parts to walk away from that. But if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm still paying off my old debts from doing that. But what's most important, as Galatians 1.10 tells us, is to please God, not man. And so we are praying that this video not only alerts people to this issue, but maybe God could use it not only for his glory, but to reach Shane and Shane and other musicians that don't realize that this is something that is very serious, could influence people away from the true gospel. It's even a salvific issue for unsaved people to be following the false Christ. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. 
when when you replace experience and place experience, I should say, over the truth, you get you get sensationalism. You get you get the seeker driven model, which is really what is driving all of this. It's the desire to attract people uh, into into a movement and uh, to take it, what that does is it sends a message that Christianity is more about my experience, which is why I've heard from so many people that have come out of this now it's it's all i all i was taught is let me get the latest book um the latest teaching the latest thing from the latest person it's so so it's just a perpetual cycle you're you're never encouraged you're never encouraged to get into the to the word of god yourself to read it to study it to meditate on it or to sit under it you're not taught even how to do that and that that i think is the most tragic thing of all of this that it's all about a experience a sensation a moment in time in which you encounter god on your own way um and not according to how god has assigned that to me is the reason why i will continue to speak out against this movement and against other teachers because that goes against what the Bible says. And in Jude 3, we're told to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Some some people might say, you know what, Dave, you're being you're being overly nuanced here. You're you're just using your theology degree in a totally inappropriate way. I would say, no. <laughs> As a Christian, we're commanded by God in the great commandment to one of the things is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Notice what Jesus says. Love him with your mind. Love him with your heart. Love him with your soul. God gave you a mind. That means that you better use it. That's why the church, like, like you're saying, Doreen, earlier, the church has responded to the claims of Arius because they knew that if you can get in through the music, guess what? You can get into the heart because what we listen to affects how, how everything, you know. And Jesus says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, how does it get in? It gets in through our ears and it gets into our hearts. So it matters what we listen to. And Scripture is, that's why Scripture is so clear that we are to exercise discernment. We are to exercise discernment with regard to what we're listening to on the radio, what we listen and watch on the internet or television. If you're not going to use discernment, you're going to be a prime target for deception. If you, if you think that what everything that that appears to be the truth is the truth, let me let's be real here. You don't understand how real our enemy is, Satan, and that he wants to seek and he seeks to destroy you. Second uh, Corinthians eleven fourteen through fifteen states that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So, so it's not a surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. He he wants he wants to seek to destroy. He mixes as we've talked about many times now. He mixes the truth with lies. So it sounds good, right? As as Paul says in. Second Corinthians four, it it sounds good. It tickles your ears. So there's a ring of truth about it, but then the application of it is is all wrong because the interpretation is all wrong. So like you said a couple of times now, as we've talked about these things, truth mixed with lies, and it's a subtle air, and that's that's what Peter talks about in Second Peter two one, secretly bringing destructive heresies. 
Um, so Satan puts lies in the mouth of someone who claims to speak for Christ. They're charismatic. They're likable. Um, they're they're good looking. And then he spreads his perverse lies in the church to draw disciples away. We see that even in Acts uh, 20, 30. You'll see that on your screen. He attaches Bible verses to his lies, um, like we see in Matthew 4, 6. He's deception and hypocrisy. He disguises falsehood as truth. He loves to mix and match um, and, and to divide people. He, Satan loves to make evil look good. And that is why it's so important to test all things, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 through 22, with Scripture. So, so again, we're going back to Shane and Shane. We're going back to the examples that you would have seen and, and Doreen was talking about, so you would have heard them in your earbuds. And ask the question, if the theology is all bad, why would Shane and Shane then engage with these people since 2014? Why would he? Why would these men both continue to share the stage with these people and lead worship? Some people might say, "Well, they desire to, you know, sing good songs and whatever," but they're singing the songs of these other people that have really bad theology. They're not just singing their song. They're singing songs that are bad. So where's the argument there? You might think that. And the answer is, if they're singing the songs, then maybe they believe the, maybe they believe the theology. Maybe. Notice I said maybe. Not that they did. They haven't made any statement yet. So charitably, to be charitable, as we are called to be, we don't know. We aren't assigning motives. We don't know. God knows. And if the motive is then that, you know, they don't care or they're going to keep doing it or they just don't respond, even though if you go to their Facebook page, you can see maybe thousands or more, tens of thousands of comments, concern. Um, I can tell you, I wouldn't be doing this episode if I didn't see that, if I didn't had looked into it, which I always look into all of these things way more than I need to. Because like, how deep does, I'm always, I'm always one of these guys, to be honest with you. I'm always one of these guys. I'm like, how deep does that go? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, it goes that deep. It's that bad. It's that serious. And, you know, you don't see many people talking about it. Um, I know some people won't like me talking about it. But you know what? Again, as a Christian, you should love, you're commanded to love the truth in God's word. You're, and you're to love that because it testifies of Christ. If you love Shane and Shane and any worship leader more than you love Jesus, you got a serious problem. If this, if this touches on an idol in your life, you got a serious problem. You got to seriously think about that because Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart with all due diligence. Uh, in 1 uh, John 5.21, we're instructed to little children, keep yourself from idols. You know, the Puritans talked about, John Flavel talked about in a whole book, keeping keeping your heart, guarding your heart. Um, the Puritans talked about um, keeping watch, being watchful. Um, we need to be watchful. We need to be on, on alert. Um, we need to be discerning. We're going to talk more about that. But Doreen, what do you think? It's something that I've been getting letters about for a long time is people wanting to listen to worship music and being confused and now not trusting who they can listen to. How can you relax to music if 
especially those who don't know their Bible, don't know the gospel real well, how are they supposed to listen to music with discernment? That's a big question. And and I want to recommend a group um, that a friend of mine created on Facebook, and it's called Sound in Worship. And we'll put a link in the video description below. And this is a group where we discuss the latest artists and and who we listen to, and we um, give each other feedback if we know something. And, uh, and there's a big discussion in there on Shane and Shane and uh, and other artists. So you can kind of make a, they, they actually offer a playlist there at the Sound and Worship group. So you can make your own, um, remember those mixed CDs we used to make in the 90s? You can make a, a playlist that's uh, safe. I, it, re, it reminds me of someone once told me that they would never quote a Christian author who wasn't deceased because there's a high likelihood that if you quote a living Christian author, they could they could deconstruct, they could fall away. But if you quote someone who's deceased, they're, it's a fixed item. <laughs> and it's that way with musicians anymore. You just don't know who's going to fall away. It's it is so sad. And and I, I just I know that God will use this for his glory as he does all things. But we have to be vigilant in the meantime. So there's uh, you're talking about, you know, that group. And I think that's really good. So here's basically three things, I think, and, and a couple more that we can do to have a basic framework, a plan, if you will, for discernment. And um, I wish I could have more time to develop all these, but, you know, it's a podcast, not a sermon. So I know that. Um, so the first is have a high view of God's word. By that, I mean a right view of God's word, um, you know. We have to know what God says and believe what he says and trust what he says. Um, so the second one is uh, to have a high view of God's person as revealed in the word, meaning that we understand who God is and what he's like in the word. The third is that we have a sound and a right understanding of the salva- of God's salvation in the gospel. So these three things, a um, high view of God's word, a high view of God himself, and a high view of the gospel, these are absolutely critical to evaluating, to have a framework for understanding where you would go to church, uh, what books to buy, how you respond to the sermons you hear, how do you listen to music and the content online with whom you associate or minister. And there's endless application here. Um, Every single one of these things that that we consume should be evaluated on these basis. So first, a proper view of scripture necessitates an understanding and acknowledgement of what the Bible is, that the Bible is the word of God, as we see in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 through 17. Um, Another component, as I mentioned, the second one is a right view of God himself, which flows from the revelation he has given about himself in scripture. So we must rely on the word of God to inform our understanding of scripture. When we talk about a right understanding of who God is and what he's like, we might we must ask ourselves: Does this does a particular teaching, song, etc., accurately represent the God of the Bible? Does it correctly uh, represent His essence, His character, His being? And if the answer to that is anything other than yes, don't listen to it, don't consume it. Uh, biblical discernment, though, um, requires a third component: a right understanding of the gospel. So the this question concerns: What must I do to be Saved. That's uh, absolutely a vital question for our present choices and for our eternal destiny. You know, the good news is starts the bad news. We see that in Romans one through three. You know, we've sinned in every way, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty three and six twenty three. But even in the midst of giving that good news, 
Paul proclaims Christ and him crucified, and he proclaims the death and resurrection of Christ. We we see that all over Paul's work. So when you see Paul talk about sin, he often will then talk about Christ. He doesn't leave you hanging. Um, he so he points you to, as I said, Christ and him crucified. So that's that's a that's a brief rundown, a quick you know thirty thousand foot view of that doctrinal framework. The 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 reason for that is Second Corinthians ten five. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So what we're saying is that good theology comes from God's word. That allows us to discern what is right, what's wrong. This lifts the Bible's teaching on the character of God, the holiness of God. Um, it helps us to be faithful to God. So if you want to be faithful to God, which every Christian should want that, then you must stand on the word of God, you, which dictates um, you know, the issues that Christians should fight for and, and more. So before we get uh, to talking about applying that to our lives, um, Doreen, do you have any thoughts on that? I love that you're talking about having a high view of scripture and of who God is and of the gospel. That can't be overstated. And this is really important. And I just urge everyone to pay attention to this. This whole topic um, is because of mislabeling of what Christianity is. If you walk into a bookstore and you go to the bookshelf that says Christianity, you're likely to find a lot of unchristian books by unchristian teachers. And I'm going to name names because I can back this up. Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, T.G. Jakes. They're the popular so-called Christian authors. Their books are all over the place, but they're not biblical. Same with listening to a station like K-Love. It's called Christian Radio. It's got the, the words of the Bible, but the way that they're put together is not, as you're talking about, a high view of Scripture, God, or the gospel. It's more of a me-centered. It reminds me of the video you and I made about Stephen Furtick, whose music is also wildly popular, not just Bethel, but elevation music is is huge. And, and so I'll put a link in the video description below also of our, our video about me-centered theology that Stephen Furtick does. And tragically, there's many of his songs on the worship initiative project that Shane and Shane run. We just pray that God uses this video to help people to sort through just because it's called Christian doesn't necessarily mean that it's Christian. Like Doreen said, the the point is, is these guys like, um, you know, Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, all these people, what they offer you is a therapeutic form of Jesus, a, a psychologized view of Jesus, which is no Jesus at all. You can't, the thing about this is, is the contemporary view of Christianity, it says you can fix yourself. You can explore the, the, the depths of yourself and find yourself. But just ask yourself a question. Where is that in the Bible? Um, in my Bible, it's nowhere. You, you can't discover the depths of your sin. The point is it goes down into the very molecule at the molecular level, into the very fabric of your DNA. So you can try like modern psychology would want you to do to try to fix your past and discover yourself or whatever that means. Um, or you can repent and believe and have your sins, not only not only the wrath of God removed from you, but the wrath of God um, satisfied forever and finally and fully in Christ alone. And I know that many of these from reading these Facebook posts, and I didn't read Instagram, these people that follow Shane and Shane are 
incredibly theologically astute, the, the majority of them. And I think that's I think that's wonderful. So if you're listening to this, don't be offended by the fact that we're doing this episode. Uh, don't click unsubscribe and unfollow because you know you appreciate their music. Share the concern. Share the concern that's being expressed from. I can tell you a heart of love um, to educate and to let people know this is a real issue out there. It's a real issue because Bill Johnson and Bethel, they're teaching people falsely. That's why there's even a movie coming, a documentary coming out that focuses on the new apostolic reformation uh, from Brandon Kimber and the American gospel, um, which is going to be amazingly amazing. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to, Lord willing, hopefully talk to him about it as well. But, you know, that's why people, are, there's whole entire groups. There's so many people that I've heard about as I'm from, I should say, who say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for speaking up. Thank you for doing these episodes. I mean, so many, so many, so many. Why? Because they have, they, they're, they're, they're not given the Bible. They're, they're stuck in this perpetual cycle of, being biblically illiterate because they're not fed the word. They're not taught the word. They're not, the word isn't emphasized. And this is why, this is why, you know, both of us are reformed and being reformed means we think that, that the pulpit should be central on the Lord's day. The, the, the pulpit is the, is the center place should be central in the church that was a central issue in in the reformation where was the pulpit going to be was it going to be off to the side or was it going to be central was the, where the word of god would be open and expounded and and men gave their life their lives to preach the word uh i just have to say where are the biblically qualified men who are going to stand up and going to speak up um i know you've i know you're out there but where are you going to stand up and are you going to get a spine or is it just going to be a few guys and gals speaking up with and 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 I just want to say whether you have a small platform you have a small audience or you have a large one you know God knows that but no matter what ever it, it, this is all this is an all hands on deck kind of situation because when they come in the back door you know the first thing that they do they make a beeline for the pulpit because if you can get into the pulpit, if you can get on the stage, you can influence the songs and the preaching and the teaching, and that affects the people. That's why that's what that that was the central issue of the Reformation, uh, the Protestant Reformation. It should be the central issue of our day, the proclamation of God's word. The greatest answer to biblical illiteracy, pastor, is to preach the word. As by the way. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.2, you are commanded by God to preach the word. In fact, 1 Timothy 3.2, I think it is, says that one of the only things that you are to do, the rest is to be, is to be able to teach. Uh, Titus 1.9 says that you're supposed to correct opponents. I get a little fired up on that one because if we want to solve biblical literacy, it's totally solvable. It's like the firefighter. I think you might have heard me say this before, Doreen. I don't know. But uh, it's like the firefighter in California or Washington or here in Oregon. And they just would retract from the fire. They would just sit. Imagine this. They would just sit and watch the fire. That would never happen because these men, they go in. 
They're paid a lot of money to do it, too. Um, I have friends who do it. But just imagine with me, these firefighters are just sitting here, standing out there, just looking at the fire. That's what is happening in the church with regard to biblical illiteracy today. Too many people are just sitting by, looking at the fire, and not jumping into the fray to snatch people from the fire. That is why I keep speaking out and why I will continue to speak out. And not only speak out, why... I'm committed to writing on this and I'm committed to exposing it until it goes away. So, well, it's really interesting. As you know, uh, almost every one of the New Testament epistles calls out false teachings. Jesus called out false teachings. We have seen evidence of false teachings from the early church days, and it's certainly here today. And as you said, the only, um, the only way out of this is for people to study the Bible know their Bible, and to rebuke those who are sharing a false gospel. Yeah. So you might wonder, what do I, what do I do? How do I be discerning? You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to talk about a topic like this and, and warn about things. But one of the things that we have to do is not just tell you, hey, so here's a model that you can take to understand these topics. But then how do I, how do I take that? And then how do I take it into my life and, and use it? Um, so step one would be you need a desire discernment. Proverbs 2, 3, 3 through 6 says, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth will come knowledge and understanding. The desire for uh, discernment, it comes from a heart that's humbled before the grace of God. It's humility that acknowledges that we can be deceived. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? It's humility that distrusts personal feelings, and it casts uh, scorn on self-sufficiency. Second uh, Corinthians 12, 5, on my own behalf, I will not boast except for my except of my weakness. It's humility that turns to the word of God as the final arbiter of all things, as Acts 17.11 tells us very clearly, that the Bereans examine the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so the desire to be discerning takes us back to those three points about high view of scripture, a high view of God, and a higher right view of scripture. Those three things, especially a high view of scripture, linked with the passion for understanding correctly is what God requires of every Christian, as 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to rightly handle the word of God. So the heart that loves discernment will burn with passion. The second step is prayer. We're commanded to pray in 2 Thessalonians 5 uh, to pray at all times. Uh, but prayer, of course, naturally follows desire. Prayer is the uh, expression of the heart's desire for God. And yet we need to also talk about this next point. It's an important one, that discernment is not enough apart from obedience. What's what's what the what is the good of knowing the truth of scripture if we fail to act on it? And that's what James 1:22 says, to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So failure to obey is self-delusion. It's not true discernment no matter how much we might know about church history and the Bible and be able to, you know, recite these things, it's not enough. Solomon is biblical proof that even true discernment can give way to, um, you know, destructive self-delusion. Disobedience undermines discernment. The only way to guard against it, that is to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Third, 
in our step towards biblical discernment, we need to emulate, as Doreen was talking about, emulate those with good discernment. That means don't follow the leadership of those who, you know, have just recently in the past few years changed their theological uh, positions on major issues. And, you know, this would be what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4.14. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine. Find leaders who have have displayed a consistent pattern to discern, to analyze, to refute error that can teach the Bible clearly and accurately. Read from authors who prove have proven themselves to be careful handlers of truth. Listen to preachers who rightly uh, divide the word of truth. Expose yourself to teaching of people who think critically, analytically, carefully. Learn from people who understand where, as Doreen was mentioning earlier, where errors attack the church. Place yourself under the instruction of those who serve as watchmen of the church. And and. I'm a church history nerd as well, as as I think everybody knows. Uh, uh, there have been so many men to consider, men like Martin Lloyd-Jones, J. Gresham Machen, Charles Spurgeon, Thomas Boston, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Augustine. You mentioned Athanasius as well. Their writing is a valuable resource to help you cultivate discernment. Uh, their legacy is given to us uh, in their books. We can learn from them. We can be discerning. Uh, we have examples. We're not left without an example of those who spoke um, the truth against error. So those who can expose and answer the errors of false teacher are set in the body of Christ to help us to understand. But as important, and this is really, really important, as, it, as important as what I just said is, it's ultimately the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who's ultimately the true discerner. John 16, 13, um, it's his role to lead us into all truth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 says, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 15, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person who does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And so the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. And so discernment, ultimately, we must say, depends on the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit takes the word that we read and study and meditate and memorize and that we hear preached, and he aims to take it home into our lives so that we can be discerning. Last point here. True discernment requires us to read and study the Bible. None of the other steps that we've talked about are sufficient in and of themselves. No one can be truly discerning apart from reading and studying and hearing the word preached um, and learning it. All the desire in the world cannot make you uh, discerning if you don't study the scriptures. Prayer or discernment is not enough. Obedience alone will not suffice here. Good role models aren't going to do it either. Even the Holy Spirit will not give you discernment apart from the Word of God. So if you want to be discerning, you must be in the Word of God. God's Word is where you're going to learn, as we've discovered today, or or maybe you're discovering again, the principles for discernment. It's there that, that God has told us the truth. Only there can you follow the path towards maturity. Discernment flourishes only in an environment of faithful Bible study and teaching. That's what Paul says. 
to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So spiritual maturity, it's the process of learning to discern. That's the real path uh, to discernment and growth in Christ, growth in grace. It's a continual process through our lives. No Christian is going to reach maturity this side of heaven. That's why 2 Peter 3.15 tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. And 1 Peter 2.2 2 says that we must hunger for the pure spiritual milk that by it we may grow. And as we mature in Christ, our senses, um, just one last thing, our, our exercise to discern good and evil, as Hebrews 5.14 says. And then we, then we can cease to be children, and we're going to grow in stability, as Ephesians 4.14-15 4, says. The last thing I'm going to say here, mature people are discerning people. Very well said. Thank you for pointing us to God's word as always. It's our guardrails against false teachings and and uh, helps us to know what God's will is. Do you have any last thoughts that you would want to say to somebody that's listening to Shane and Shane, to those who are concerned about this? I think it's important to be aware of how the Holy Spirit convicts us of sins and, and points us back to God's will and word. And so the Holy Spirit works through our conscience. Uh, the Holy Spirit does convict us. And if you if you get that twitch, that twinge that I shouldn't be doing this, pay attention. Uh, don't let your conscience be seared by ignoring it. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to stay away from any kind of musical artist or teacher or object or method, listen. Yeah, that's that's good. You know, I'm reminded in the Proverbs that in the abundance of wisdom, there's counselors. What we've sought to do is, in podcast form, to give you some counsel to consider. Shane Shane has a track record of failing in discernment, whether that's to be charitable, whether that's at the managerial level, the people that are managing the, the them going to shows, or it's themselves, okay? Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's not. We don't know, okay? Maybe we never will. But the point is, is they have this track record. It's something to be aware of. It's something to really, really sit back and ask yourself the question. And this isn't even, doesn't only, I should say, apply to Shane and Shane. This applies to everything. This applies to the news that you consume, the movies that you consume, the media that you consume the podcasts that you listen to, the YouTube shows that you watch. Are, are they pointing you to God's word or are they pointing you away from God's word? Now, obviously, the secular news that you consume isn't going to point you to God's word, okay? You've got to be thinking through that from a biblical worldview. You've got to be having and developing that through the teaching that you're getting uh, primarily at your local church. But the, the point is, is that you have to think through it. You need to understand what the biblical worldview is because you're reading the Bible. The Bible tells you it's itself what a worldview is. It presents its own worldview. And it helps you then to see the world through the lens of the word. As John Calvin said, you know, God has given us spectacles. Those spectacles, like I wear glasses, they help you to see. And the same is true with the Bible. It helps us to know who God is and what he's like and about Jesus and our sin and all that. And that helps us to go out and to see the world, to see the news, to see the media, to understand it through the lens that God has given us in the Bible. So the central issue here isn't even, it goes well beyond what I'm saying, what we're saying about Shane and Shane. 
And it goes to the music that you listen to, the movies you watch, the news you consume, the, the, the even 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 to the way you think. Okay. And 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 that's not even about how you talk to others. It's about how you talk to yourself and think about yourself in those quiet moments. Uh it, are those thoughts even and biblical and honoring to God? Because guess what? The thing that should scare you the most probably should sober you up the most is God knows those thoughts too. But anyways, whether you, so I guess I'll just say this, be pay attention to in the coming days, the response to Shane Shane, pay attention to the words that they use, pay attention to the way it's written because undoubtedly these guys got mega bucks, right? They got PR firms, they got people you know, that know how to craft a statement so that Christians can under, understand it and receive it, pay, but pay attention to it. I'm not, and I'm not assigning any motives there. I'm just saying pay attention to how it's written, how it's constructed, and uh, evaluate it in light of what we've talked about today. And, uh, you know, our prayer is that God will help you and that you'll make a God-honoring decision that honors him, that honors Christ and brings him glory. Thank you so much for this thorough roundup of the theological principles that are applicable to this. It's pretty much a crisis of those who have been listening to Shane and Shane and helping to discern, helping to know how to discern what to listen to. It's so important. Thank you, Brother Dave. Thank you, sister. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.